Welcome to Borborygmi, Noises from the Veterinary World, the podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. Today's podcast continues our special set of Borborygmi episodes that we have recently recorded to capture the changes to life in the veterinary profession since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. We're featuring vets, nurses and students from across the industry during this strange time, with conversations interspersed amongst the original Borborygmi collection recorded at last year's London Vet Show. Loads of you have previously enjoyed the excellent CPD and famous social opportunities that the Vet Show offers in London every November. And although the prospect of gathering with friends and colleagues still seems vaguely remote right now with the world in its current state, we will eventually return to some sort of normality. So if you'd like something to look forward to on the horizon, have a look at the Borborygmi pages of the Vet Show website for discounted tickets to this year's event in November. In the meantime, on with the show. Hi everyone, I'm Naomi Meller, and today's guests with me on Borborygmi are Kieran Bourget and Sean Taylor. These two met at university in Bristol a few moons ago and have been mates for a long time. Kieran is a veterinary cardiologist at Langford Vets at the University of Bristol. He's currently on furlough, allegedly home educating his four children. Sean Taylor runs an independent first opinion practice near Bristol that he started a couple of years ago. He had to furlough his own mum who works for him as a receptionist. Here they talk about their contrasting experiences during the pandemic and you'll hear Kieran first. I I can't imagine the pressure that you must be under because my role is obviously completely different in that I, I you know I work with a huge number of people in our hospital there are hundreds of people in, in the hospital and in the wider um, practice if you like the equine and the farm side um, you know there's, there's hundreds of people but none of them are really my responsibility although I'm a line manager to some um, the decisions actually come really from the people above me um, I'm not part of senior management I, I'm, I'm a clinician teacher, researcher, but none of those things come with that same degree of responsibility for somebody's livelihood, which I, I think is really tough. You know, I I worry enough about the mental health of my colleagues and, and myself as well, about how, um, you know, everybody's coping with the changes with, you know, initially working from home. And now we've had two rounds of furlough, um, which I think is a little bit easier for me um, because, I am one of the senior clinicians and I feel, I certainly hope, I'm going to have a job at the end of it. Um, And I know the senior management team quite well. You know, they're my colleagues. We have clinicians who work 40% in clinics and and spend the rest of their time as management. So I work with them all the time. I know them really well. And I know that they have got our best intentions at heart. They're looking after us uh, as individuals. They're looking after society by by minimising traffic to the building and minimising people in there. But I think if I was one of the animal care assistants, maybe, or one of the more junior members of the nursing team, or even or diplomats, but who was maybe straight out of a residency, who was relatively inexperienced within the department, then actually I'd feel a bit bad about being furloughed. I'd, I'd be worried. I think I might resent it. And I mean, I'm, I'm on a furlough officially from Monday. And even though I, I was part of that decision making because they wanted to, to thin the team down in the hospital and try and save some money for building the future and I, I understand that um they requested that one of the cardiology team was furloughed and my colleague rosie uh you know she she is an amazing cardiologist she's got 
no kids at home to look after. I have four kids to look after and, and theoretically homeschool. So, um, so I, you know, the obvious choice was me. I, I actually, my role is childcare right now. Um, I'm hoping to get a textbook written around doing that. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Uh, but, that's punchy. I, that's punchy. It's punchy. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to aim high for these things, haven't you? But, um, despite the fact that I was part of that decision-making, that I'm the natural person to be furloughed. Actually, I still feel a bit sad about it. You know, I, I enjoy my job. I want to be at work. I want to do my normal 40 hours, 50 hours a week, you know, in the clinic. I want the students to be there. I enjoy working with students, uh, but they're not there at the moment. So, so it's, it's just such a weird uh, situation. It's difficult, isn't it? I think it's difficult for loads of members of staff for different reasons, both those still employed and those on furlough. Uh, the employed ones, I guess, for obvious risk, you know, that they're anxious, understandably, that they're still coming to work. They're still being exposed to clients and animals. Um, but I, I think what really helps, I mean, it's easy with a small team, but we've had frequent huddles, uh, you know, small mini team meetings once or twice a week where I'm very honest with my staff. We're all on an equal decision making process within reason. I say to them, look, I'm, I may not get this right. I'm still a human being. I'm still learning as I go about this crisis. So if at any point you feel unhappy uh, or, or exposed from a health and safety point of view with the work that we're doing, then please say, and I'm not going to judge you for that, you know, we'll review our protocols, review our social distancing, our PPE, those cases that we see. Um, luckily, my two nurses have been super supportive. They couldn't be more supportive. They're very happy with the measures we put in place, the locked door, the backdoor entry for those cases that need to be seen the appropriate PPE and social distancing they can see that you know we've put these measures in place so they're fully supportive and on board so that makes it a lot easier I think being very open and honest whether you're a small or a large team with your employees and saying look guys we're just human we're not necessarily going to get this right if you have any anxieties or concerns come and see us and it may be that individual employees need individual risk assessments and different approaches uh, to things it's interesting there was a very strange phase when the university said well look we need to reduce the students here so we're gonna um tell the students that they can go from the friday um so that they brought four days to holiday but then on the wednesday afternoon in the clinic the students were looking at their phones to, to, as we were having a chat about something one of them got a notification and they said oh uh, uh, we've just got an email that said we can leave if we want to leave if we don't feel comfortable and i said well guys it's it's up to you what you do. You're, you're, if you're not happy, if you're not comfortable with, with being in the environment in the hospital, it's completely fine. And they, they, they vanished. Um, and I said, okay, that's fine. It's no, no worries. But um, uh, the rest of the students didn't seem to interpret the email the same way. So the hospital was still full of students, uh, but, but my three had gone and everyone else was still <laughs> sticking around. So then I felt like the, the real slack parent who'd just been like, oh, dudes, just like do whatever. That was very strange. But when the students went, the atmosphere changed. It was, it was quite different. And then the university staff were told, well, you shouldn't really be going on site. You should work from home wherever possible. And then it left all the rest of us clinical staff in the building doing 40, 50 hour weeks and saying, well, what, what about us? What, what's happening? Um, and I think the aim from management was, again, with the best of intentions, to maintain caseload to future-proof the business against the, whatever economic horrors are, are going to come in the next few months. Um, but that was a difficult time for us because we all felt like, should we be here or, or, or not? Or should we be gone? Um, uh, and I think now they're, they're very on board that they're really prioritizing um, 
you know, society and, and, and us as individuals. But there have been some relaxations on the cases to be seen. And I think there are client expectations now, from my point of view, are, are kind of increasing and in that they, they say, well, my vet is vaccinating dogs and he heard the heart murmur, so surely you should see the dog to scan the heart. And that's a difficult one. I agree with you. I think, I, I think if an animal becomes moribund and, and potentially it's a welfare issue in two months' time, then the argument is, do you see that in two months' time when it's already ill or do you see it sooner and hopefully prevent a disease from happening much more easily and potentially with less time in the clinic and less contact with the animal? So it is, it is a dilemma. It is, it is really hard. And, and ultimately, there, and, and we've all seen there's been various opinions on social media you know, in the veterinary world recently, but ultimately I think we've all been given the training and the qualifications to make that clinical judgment ourselves case by case. And you know, we shouldn't criticise each other. I mean, for 100 years, the veterinary world has disagreed on how to treat and handle certain cases. That's not going to change with this. It's only going to get worse. And I think <laughs> within reason, being kind to each other and just allowing each other the um, – you know the the experience and, and the the rationale to say well you know i can make that decision for myself i'll agree to see this because i think it can't wait i'll agree to put that off but yeah, we've all got, we can all use our clinical judgment and i think we all just need to allow each other to do that um where appropriate and there's a lot of negative comments about clients which i just haven't experienced uh, you know our clients have been very understanding very wary they've maintained a two meter social distance when they've been consulting with me in the rain yesterday in the car park uh, because our mobile signal is rubbish, so I can't call them for, for you know when they're sitting in the car park. Um, uh, they've been really respectful. They've been really patient with it. Taking me longer to report lab results because we're short on staff, so I've got more to do. Um, I just haven't seen that. But if you read some of the, the the Twitter threads about veterinary clients posted by vets who are you know very nice people, very good vets, their interpretation is incredibly negative. And I, you know I think that's why you're interesting. Your experience, Sean, is really interesting to me because clearly your clients in first opinion practice are being equally respectful and patient as well. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think it's all about how you communicate it and, you know, we're all human. So if you're just honest and, and explain to them, we're all just human. We're all just trying to do our best in this situation. No one's got the perfect answer. You know, there is no magic response to this at the minute. And I say the same to my staff. I say, look, I'm just trying to do what I think is right at the minute. I'm very happy to have mixed input and, and, edit it and change how we manage these things as we go you know it's a rolling it's a rolling condition isn't it so we have to our response has to be constantly updated um you know i think uh, as a backdrop the business uh, turnover has dropped by 75 percent you know and we're barely existing at this stage you know we can survive a few months but beyond that who knows but the priority at the minute is making sure your staff are safe and happy making sure your clients are safe and equally, the animal welfare is still supported uh, and still maintained. You know, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a thin line to tread. Um, but, you know, we just have to make it up as we go, I guess. And I think within reason, there's no right answer. People, you know, just have to try and use their judgment. But again, even in a big team, I think, I think having regular huddle meetings and just saying, look, guys, are we all OK with what we're all doing? This is a chance to voice it. You know, be open and communicative, not just with your clients, but with your staff as well. And just saying, um, you know this is this is the, these are the cases we've seen does anybody have any issues with this and it which i guess it's just like a sort of mini team appraisal twice a week isn't it you're just trying to make sure that you're all on board and on the same page um i think this current crisis has really highlighted the benefits and the use of telemedicine um i've never um used it before because i'm quite old-fashioned bit of a technophobe and um 
always preferred obviously the face-to-face clinical exam which still is important but it actually it's given me more confidence to use it appropriately in the right setting especially video uh, consultations um obviously a, a bit limited when uh, you know you're staring at a pixelated picture and someone's trying to stuff their smartphone camera into their cat's mouth but uh, <laughs> I, I think in some places it, it's had a real um, impact and I think it's here to stay now I think this will give a lot of vets around the country uh, more confidence to use it in future as part of normal service when we're back to normal I don't know if you've Kieran you've had any um, uh, experience with that it's interesting isn't it because I I do some work for vet CT for their telemedicine hospital I'm one of their cardiologists um, so I'm quite comfortable with that like distant interpretation of stuff and looking at people's images um, but we, we, since the beginning of the lockdown, we've offered a free video consult with a vet service. So that the vet has themselves and the animal in a room. We can help guide their auscultation. We can help guide their echo. Even they can scan and we can watch the screen. Um, we can look at the ECG and talk about it in real time. And we've had zero people take us up on that. Um, we've not had really? any for our service video consults with vets. Now, the medicine service has had a ton because I think Vets see the value in, in the conversation, the chat with the medicine team because of the complexity of the cases, integrating blood results, imaging findings, etc. Really, So I'm not sure telemedicine is going to stick for us as a service, um, but I think maybe for the medicine team, there's a lot of value in that consult, in that chat. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on socials at Naomi the Vet with underscores between. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do tell a friend or give us a rating and a review on iTunes, as it really does help other people to find us and spread the word about Borborygmy. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vets at Stego Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It has been much appreciated. We'll see you next time.